Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. This verse is so important. We all know John 3.16 is probably one of the, the, the foundation stones of the Christian faith. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the other one. If you haven't marked this in your Bible, you need to mark it. And better than marking it, you need to memorize it. Here's why. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can ask people on the street today, what do you think of Jesus Christ? Oh, he was a great teacher. He was a, he was a good teacher. He was a great philosopher. Yeah, he was. He was one of the greats. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, yeah, they're all telling us about God. Really? Have you ever read what Jesus said? Boy, I, I, I talked about heaven and uh, doing good to one another and the golden rule and cuckoo kachoo and all, all that kind of stuff. It's really important. Yeah. Really? Well, did you ever think that when Jesus said in this verse, he categorically says every religion of the world is false except him? Whoa. Well, now that creates an issue, doesn't it? Because if he's a great teacher, yet he said he's the only way to God and the only way to eternal life, then either he's a liar or he is the only way. Let's read it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus here categorically says every other religion of the world is false. Wow. Wow. You see, do you, do you realize, how to defend your faith? I've shared this many times before, but I remember when I was 18, and some people came to my front door with literature in their hands, and, and, and they were knocking on my door, and they had nice smiles, and they started showing me uh, in their Bible where uh, Jesus wasn't God, and Jesus was a created being, and in the beginning I was there, I was there when I created you, and say, well... I couldn't defend myself. I knew God. I loved God. But they just bulldozed over me. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you, but it's one of the most embarrassing things that I think you can do. Worse, it's, it's worse than having a noodle in your beard. I mean, it's bad. Being embarrassed. Can't defend your faith. And, and, and that troubled me. See, a lot of people just don't care. Well, you know, I've got pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, and I'm on my way. So I don't really care about anybody else if they don't make it. Well, that's not really the heart of God. I believe when you become born again, God puts his spirit in you, and all of a sudden, there's a focus and a desire to see the lost saved. What can I do to make the gospel understandable for those who don't know him? 
You begin to think about evangelism. And, and by the way, friends, that's where I believe real evangelism comes from. I don't believe evangelism is looking to see what all the other Christians or all the other churches are doing and say, well, let's do that. You know, they got this really great, you know, program and we're going to start emulating that program. And where did you get the books and how do you, you know? No, I think what we do is we go and say, God, what do you want me to do? Fresh vision, fresh insight. And God will do that. I don't look for numbers. If I did, I wouldn't be here. But what I look for is what God will do. And you know, the thing is, is that I see that God inspires us to do things that seem to be impossible. And in doing that, You're going to be challenged. Your faith is stretched. You're going to go beyond what you physically, mentally, spiritually can do if you're really in the the Spirit of God. But that's where the miracles are. That's where God intervenes. That's where you see the power of God. And when you see the power of God, you can go, I can keep going. Because it connects. And I've shared this many, many times before people have called up and said, well, why was God such a God of miracles in the Old Testament and the New Testament doesn't do anything anymore? The world comes out and has a statement, God is dead. That's their solution for that question. But the truth of the matter is most Christians don't live close enough to the border to have to have a miracle in their life. I, I, I want to see God do that. Are you ready for the trial that comes along with the Christianity so God can do a miracle in your life to say, wow, he is real? I like that. It's the way God works. He says, no one's come to the Father except through me. The only way. The only way. And you know what's so amazing? God has put that in you. What that tells me, it isn't church mantras. It isn't church's creeds. It is, it's simple faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we often talk about, and I've gotten this question before on Every Man Answer, about where does the sinner's prayer come from that so many churches pray at the end of a service for people to come to Christ? Well, really, it's a compilation of many other places in the Bible where people have come to Christ. It's true. Remember the thief on the cross? Remember the sinner's prayer of the thief on the cross? He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said earlier to the other thief, when the other thief was reviling Jesus, if you're really God, save us and save yourself. The thief on the cross, the other one said, we deserve to be up here. We're guilty. But this one has done nothing wrong. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was his sinner's prayer. Remember the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. And they came piously saying, the law says, Jesus, we should stone her. What do you say? Because they knew if Jesus said, don't stone her, he would have transgressed the law. And therefore, if he transgressed the law, we can disregard everything that he says. And if you can disregard what they say, you can disregard the person. And so Jesus bent down and wrote in the sand. And he wrote in the sand the second time. Now, this was kind of uncommon because we don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. Some people surmise that, well, maybe the fantasies that... These people had that were ready to throw stones at this woman. Some people wonder 
If he didn't write according to the law, the man was to be brought also. Where's the man? Some think that Jesus also may have wrote in the sand. The very thing, how did you catch her? It had to be a setup. You don't just catch somebody in the act with a gang. It was a setup. And it says, one by one, he stands back up and it says, he without sin cast the first stone. And pretty soon, only he and this woman are there. And Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? And here comes her salvation prayer. There are none, Lord. And he said, go and sin no more. Isn't that funny? In fact, you look through the Bible at the way people came to God, what they cried out to God. It's amazing how people are saved. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch that was, was going through the desert? God called Philip, who had a thriving ministry up in Samaria, to go down into the desert. And and here's this chariot going across the desert, and God spoke to him and said, join yourself to that chariot. The Bible says, Philip ran. Running across. And here's an Ethiopian eunuch reading the book of Isaiah. As he was returning from Jerusalem in worshiping Yahweh. And Philip... How do you start a conversation with somebody in a chariot and you're running alongside the chariot? This is one I still think about. Do you know what you're reading? Uh, I I think that's pretty amazing. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to read in a car. But this guy was so wanting to know more about God. You know, the Bible says, when you seek me, you'll find me. You search for me with all your heart. And here, you know, he's right around. He goes, do you know what you're reading? Here's a guy running along. You know, this is kind of weird. We're out in the middle of, you know, the Mojave Desert. And you're running alongside of me saying, do I know what I'm reading? Where did you come from? Commanded the chariot to be stopped. He got up into the chariot and began to reason with him out of the book of Isaiah. Is this man speaking of himself or speaking of another? Philip reckoned with him who Jesus was. And as they're going along, his salvation prayer is, here's some water, what causes me not to be baptized? And Philip said, nothing if you believe with your whole heart. And he commanded the chariot to stop. They got off the chariot. He went, baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, God supernaturally moved him from that water over to the coast, over to Arizona, on the coast. Now, it's a type of rapture, if you will, if you understand that God supernaturally moving bodies around uh, via the friendly skies of Jesus moved him from... I can just see the Ethiopian unit going, where'd he go? You know, pulling the water back. He was here a second ago. Where's he at? It doesn't say he came riding up to him on a horse, so he, well, his horse is still here. He vanished. Imagine what that Ethiopian eunuch thought. You see, God does amazing things. God does amazing things with us. And as it says here, 
No one comes to the Father except by me. Isn't that great to know? That it's not a process, it's immediate. You don't have to wait till you die to know you're saved. And by the way, if you are, if you're wrong, it's too late to do anything about it. The last verse, and we'll stop here. Verse 7. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus speaking of himself, claiming to be God. What an awesome God we serve. So, God's compelling. Go outside the box. Let him do something for you. We don't look around and see what everybody else is doing because what everybody else is doing has been done. And in fact, maybe God did tell him to do that. But I can't wear somebody else's shoes. So God's got something individually and collectively for us all to do. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, think about that. That God prepared and has a place for you in heaven, especially for you. I like that. Aren't you, isn't it going to feel good when you finally leave this earth and you go to heaven and God's taking you down where you're going to spend forever? There's a little RSVP reserved for you. A little sticker right there on the door. Wow, they knew I was coming. I'm not a surprise. I'm not a mistake. They knew I was a coming. See, God has a place for you. Now, He has a place for you in heaven forever. But he also has a place for you today. And that's what God wants to do for you. Give you that place today. And you know, when you're in the place that God has for you, you're never never lost. You, you, You won't have your heart troubled because you know where your God was. I'm not saying everything is going to go your way, contrary to what a lot of the, so to speak, preaching going on today in our world says. You accept Jesus, everything will go your way. Friends, I can just about guarantee you this. If you accept Jesus Christ today, everything will not go your way. Isn't that great to know? Because the course of this world is perishing. It's the live ones that swim upstream. So don't feel bad about that. You just say, okay, God, you're going to do something new. I'm here for you to do it in me. And never limit God for what he can do. And sometimes those little unctions that you'll get, those thoughts when you're praying that just don't go away, that could be God's voice telling you to do something. I used to, when I pray, I always think about God, you know, ever, are, are, and, and this is back in the 60s and 70s, the Jesus movement. Everybody had, well, use your imagination, hair. And I thought, I see my generation being influenced through media and through radio. We need that. But the Christian radio stations were playing Bringing in the Sheaves and Ain't It a Beautiful Day. Nobody was listening. And I thought it, it's, it would be so good if we could do that. And I, 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 I just wouldn't let the idea go. 
I'm telling you, if God stirs your heart, there's a reason why. We're not just saved to set apple pie in the sweet by and by, but we're saved for a reason. And we're all part of what we do. And, and, and I, I look at that, and I was listening to the message the world was bringing. If you can't be in love with the one you love, love the one you're with. Oh, that's great! And you listen to the, ideal, the ideology and the philosophy of the world that has come through the media. Uh, the world, America, is seduced completely by the media. You realize how much we are influenced by what we hear, by the evening news? Dude, I saw this thing. It was the most incredible. It had a picture of Putin. And he had a finger like this. And he goes, do you want to know what my diabolical scheme to overthrow America is? And down below it says, tell them the truth about their government. I was shocked. It's true. Do you know all this stuff about uh, Russia's intervened with the American electoral process? You hear that every night. Are you notice they don't tell you what it is? They disclosed deleted emails from one of the other candidates. That's what it was. Which should have never happened in the first place because they were subpoenaed and they were supposed to be made public because it was on a server that it should never have been on. All Russia and WikiLeaks did was tell people what they were really up to. Did it cost the election for a candidate? I believe it did. But it wasn't them that was the fault. All they did was tell the truth. Now, it's pretty sad when we have our enemies telling us the truth and our American news media won't. Do you think we're being fooled? And when you go to the movies and you see the ideology and the faith and the ideas that come out, it's destroying us. People don't even, can't even relate to truth anymore because it's so obscure. Well, truth is relativism. That's what's taught in your schools, whether you're in high school or college. True is true if it's true to you. But to say that there's absolutes, that is nobody's ability to say that. That's what they teach. So if Idi Amin wants to go out and slaughter thousands of people, well, it's true to him. So who am I to judge him? That's not what the Bible says. See, we have a standard in which somebody said, well, how is God going to judge the world someday? Here's the book. Here's your legal document of how God's going to judge the world. So we're equipped. We are his servants. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I don't know what you're waiting for. I'll never forget. I know I'm, I'm, it's late. But I, when the church first started, there was a guy, he was a goofy, I, I've shared this before, he was kind of a goofy looking guy, long hair, buck knife on the side, wife beater t-shirt on, came into church this way. Drove a Jesus bus. He was getting ready to leave after that Sunday morning. A bolt fell out of his air cleaner, went down, got in the piston, and the bolt was hammering against the head and making a terrible noise. And he says, Pastor, can I uh, rebuild my motor in the back of the church? And Okay. 
So he was there the whole week. The next Sunday morning, he shows up in church with his wife. Good guy. And I always had a time, well, does, does anybody want to share anything God did for him? And he stands up. And I'm going, oh, no. And this guy stands up. And he said, if you don't want to hear the truth, you better leave right now. And I'm going, oh, God. And he started going through the crowd and he had the word of knowledge, this gift in the Bible. He said, you back there, you've been wondering if your son's ever going to get saved. I want you to know he is. God's working on him. Don't worry about it. And you, over, and he went through the crowd. And then he stopped and he said, you, you come up here right now. And I'm, I'm just going, oh, God. And he comes up. And he goes, God's been following you all over the world, hasn't he? <laughs> I suppose over in Germany, huh? And he goes, yeah, in the military in Germany. He goes, are you going to accept Christ or are you going to die? I'll accept Christ. He prayed, accept the Lord, the guys in the ministry today. Weird. It was, it was like everything you'd see on TV that's fake, but it was the real thing. And I looked at this guy, not in a Rolex watch, not in a three-piece suit, not smacking people in the head, knocking them over pews. This guy looked like something that you would run from. And yet God used him. And everybody that he ever pointed out later in, in the months to come after the guy was long gone told me everything that guy was said was true. God's got gifts for you. Don't be afraid to use them. Same God. Same God. So people say, well, no, I've got too much to hold on to. I got my bag of dope. That's what is reality to me. You're lying to yourself. You're settling for a lie. Nothing should ever get between you and God. Whatever it is, get rid of it so that God will use you to the fullest of your capacity. Now, people say, will God use me if I'm not 100%? The answer is yes. He will. But that doesn't mean that's the way we should live our life. If you're sold out, you're going to be able to do more for God because you're focused. And that's what God wants to do. God went to heaven. Jesus went to heaven to prepare a place for you and me for eternity. But I don't want to miss the place that God has prepared for you and me today because that's where I have to live. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Let God use you. If you're not right with God, repent. You say, Lord, forgive me. I want to live for you. Not my will. Yours be done. Your goals, not mine. Amen. I'm saved. That's what it is. (laughs) I didn't have to sign a pledge card or nothing. This morning, if you're not right with God, let's pray. Father, come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me. Not my will, yours be done. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you for eternal life. This place you prepared for me. And let me get on now with my life, with you, so we can do something to change the world. Father, in Jesus' name, I commit my life into your hands. Thank you. And Lord, for those that said that in their hearts today, I pray that you would just reach out to each person. Touch their heart. 
Let them know, God, you've got great things for them in the days to come. And you have prepared this place for us. And so, Lord, may we function in it. In Jesus' name. All the things that we've been through in life have brought us to this point for your purpose. So may we meet that challenge. May you bless each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.